The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful you're joining me today. You're part of a global community with fellow listeners in literally every corner of the world. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. There are currently 89 regions around the world where we have listeners. I want to thank all of you. And as promised, I will continue to mention a couple of specific countries and states each week. This week, I want to call attention to our listeners in Barbados and in the Netherlands and in the states of Maryland and Minnesota. Welcome and thank you for your continuing support. Last week, we had another great conversation with Dr. Paula Feyerman, this time on the topic of rest, relaxation, and meditation. At the end of our hour, Paula and I continued the conversation, and she voiced her disappointment that she hadn't gotten to share certain information. I said, great, that just means we'll have something for the next time. Because really, there's no way for us to say everything that needs to be said on any given topic with any particular guest. I look at this radio show as an ongoing conversation with more pieces being filled in every week. If you think of this show as chapters in a book rather than isolated broadcasts, you will benefit more and bring more healing into your life. If you missed last week's show or any of the previous shows, be sure to go to paulajoyce.com to listen on demand. And later today, we are privileged to have Rabbi David Stern as our guest to talk about fear and ways to rid ourselves of irrational fears. Choosing to be positive, choosing to think, see, feel, and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. We all have choices, but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are. This show provides you with new information on health and healing, with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. 
We can all choose happiness, gratitude, and positivity. We change the energy in our body and literally become younger, feel lighter, and have more energy as we choose to see the joy, beauty, and love in our lives. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, perspectives, and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field, like Rabbi David Stern. If you have a question for Rabbi Stern or are trying to figure out how to find the silver lining in a difficult situation or how to rid yourself of persistent negative thoughts or have a personal story to share, please call during the show to one 472 or email now or between shows to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. And the phone number between shows is 1-214-736-4460. And be sure to grab a pencil and paper now because you're going to need it later in the show for our latest feature. And for something else that I'm going to share with you during this first section. Last week in that new feature, I challenged you to commit to adding rest, relaxation, and or meditation into your daily life. I'm pleased to report that I did hear from people who have committed to working on this. One client said that she realized that she doesn't have to have a long extended period of time to meditate, that even five minutes a day is helpful. Her awareness is so very important. Many of us sabotage sabotage ourselves before we even start because we are unrealistic in the expectations that we set for ourselves. If we begin with a small, reasonable amount of time, we have a much better chance of success. Another client indicated that her home environment is so chaotic that she really can't relax there. After talking it through, we realized that she could stop at a labyrinth on her way home from work. We found one that's between her home and her workplace. This was an ideal solution because not only is it convenient and doable, but it doesn't require her to try to calm down. All she has to do is enter the labyrinth and let it do the work for her. As we discussed on our March 20th program on the labyrinth last year with the Reverend Dr. Lauren Artris, the labyrinth is a powerful tool for meditation, releasing stress, fear, and painful thoughts and emotions. It provides a spiritual energy field that helps you hear your limitless self and connect with the spiritual realm. In that space, you can feel joy and peace. If you haven't been using this amazing spiritual tool, you might want to listen again to that show and then find a labyrinth near you. I like to say a prayer before I enter as a way of setting my intention and increasing the power of the labyrinth to help me. I have one client who goes every week the day before our session. 
This commitment to herself has, has helped her heal, grow, and change in amazing ways with much greater speed and ease. And if you don't have access to a labyrinth, you can order a wooden labyrinth that you can use with your finger at home in, with your, in the privacy of your own home. Or you can find a paper labyrinth that you can um, copy off of the internet and use that as a tool for transformation, healing, releasing negativity like fear. I congratulate all of you for continuing to bring new ways of healing into your lives. And as promised, I will read your emails or share your stories. We inspire others as we share our insights and successes. This last weekend, I was actually inspired by a participant in a presentation that I gave at the Dallas Jewish Learning Fest. We were talking after the presentation, and he said he wanted to thank me for helping him. He went on to say that he used to weigh 400 pounds and had been in a prison, <clears throat> excuse me, prison because of what he allowed into his eyes, ears, and mouth. It was such a beautiful and honest way of expressing his own role in the circumstances of his life. It's only when we acknowledge our own responsibility that we can use that power to heal ourselves. He particularly loved one of the exercise, exercises that I used on releasing fear because of its simplicity and amazing impact. He said that it literally made him feel lighter after doing it. I would like to share it with you and hope that you find the same release that he and the other participants did. You'll need to write this down and go back later and do it. First, ask yourself, if fear were a color, what color would it be? Then think of a symbol that represents fear. On a piece of paper, use the color you chose to draw the symbol that represents fear. Then simply tear up the paper into tiny pieces like confetti and throw it up in the air. At the end of this simple exercise, you will have released another layer of fear and you will feel lighter and more at ease. If you think that this is too easy, you're wrong. You can do this every time you feel fear and it will help you release more and more each time. You can also use this same exercise for other emotions that are creating problems for you, like guilt or shame, jealousy, whatever it is. This kind of technique really works. And as we release the fears that create negativity and darkness within ourselves, we literally get younger. One client said to me this week, a number of people have told me recently that I look younger. The ultimate creative problem-solving process we use in our sessions is why I look younger, isn't it? 
absolutely it is because this process allows people to release the hidden barriers to success in every area of their life. And underneath every barrier or blockage, there is always a fear. As we release those blockages, we release those fears and we actually reverse the aging process. We are made of light. And as we release the darkness of fear and negativity in our minds, emotions, and bodies, we become lighter and younger. Last week, I was listening to a report on National Public Radio about how the widows in India broke social tradition to participate in a national holy celebration of colors. Instead of wearing white as they were supposed to, they wore colorful saris. They further broke tradition by throwing powdered colors in the air and dancing just like everyone else. The reporter talked about the joy the women felt in celebrating this holiday that they had previously been barred from taking part in. No one really granted them permission this year. They gave themselves permission and broke through their fears of being criticized and allowed themselves to feel the same joy that everyone else did. Social tradition prevented their participation in the past, but they had to silently agree to not participating. This year, some of the women even bought makeup and talked about it made them feel younger and feminine again. It will be interesting to see the ramifications that this new freedom creates for each of them individually and for them as a group. Once you release the fear, you can't go back to it. There may be another layer of fear to release, but you never go backwards, even if it feels like it. The next layer of fear may feel the same, but it isn't. With each new layer that we release, we experience more freedom, self-empowerment, and joy. The fascinating thing is that as you peel away the layers of complex feelings from blame to shame to anger to guilt or judgment or jealousy, whatever it is, what's underneath it all is fear. Here are some examples of what I mean. We may blame someone for a problem because we fear they will blame us. We strike out in anger because we fear that we will never get what we want. We judge someone because we fear they will judge us, or maybe that we are not good enough. So if we strike a blow at someone else, it prevents them from saying something negative to us. When you look truthfully, you can find your own fear under every painful emotion. As we recognize these fears and allow ourselves to feel them, they begin to release and we can experience peace. 
Even more powerful is that when we stop judging our experiences and ourselves as either good or bad, fear cannot even enter our energy field. When we stop judging, we stop struggling, we accept what is, allow ourselves to feel and ultimately trust that all is well and will continue to be well. This doesn't mean denying reality. We certainly want to look at our own behavior and determine if there's something we need to learn and do differently in the future. We can do this more quickly and effectively if we remove the judgment and the fear because then we can think with clarity. When we're in fear, we are anxious and our mind is chaotic. When we're in acceptance, trust, and faith, we feel peaceful. It's from this place of peace that we can make sound choices and take the best actions possible. Often that action is releasing ourselves from a self-imposed jail, just like the women in India did, or my workshop participant who lost 200 pounds and now refuses to allow into his mind the things that put him in that prison. We all have thoughts that imprison us. It's up to us to stop letting them live rent-free in our minds. I have one client who is participating in a modern-day version of Lent by giving up the thoughts that limit and hurt him. When we realize at a deep level that we are on this earth to learn to release irrational fear, to connect more deeply with God and the positive spiritual realm, and to live with faith and trust, life becomes easier because we are able to face the challenges in our life as opportunities. True healing comes from the spiritual realm as we transform the negative energy in our bodies into light. My angels and guides have given me a very specific set of exercises that will help you heal regardless of the seriousness of your condition. Everyone who participates in this process will receive a healing from complete cure to noticeable improvement, even if you have a terminal diagnosis or a chronic condition. We all can heal through our limitless higher self. There are seven steps for healing the body, seven the mind, and seven the spirit. I am offering this as a three-part workshop 21 Steps for Healing Your Body from 7 to 9 p.m. on April 8, 15, and 22 at the Dallas Meditation Center. As one of my clients, Brother Chi Singh said, Dr. Paula is the real deal. I could feel the angelic guides assisting her. She's compassionate, wise, gentle, and direct, just what the doctor ordered. To experience this for yourself, you can go to my website, paulajoyce.com, for more information and to register. If you cannot come, I also do this privately, in person, over the phone, or on Skype, or you can arrange for me to deliver this workshop over a weekend in your city or country. Now I'm pleased to introduce our guest, Rabbi David Spring. 
Stern. He has been the senior rabbi of Temple Emmanuel in Dallas since 1989. He is committed to social justice globally and locally. He has been to the Darfur refugee camps and served as rabbi in residence for an American Jewish World Service study mission to Nicaragua. Rabbi Stern is a vice president for the Central Conference of American Rabbis and is on the President's Rabbinic Council of Hebrew Union College. He participates in the Institute for Jewish Spirituality as part of his commitment to ongoing study and spiritual growth. And if that's not enough, he's a published poet and essayist. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. Let me remind you that I have a new question for you that will help you improve your life. While you're listening to the commercials during during our break, go to paulajoyce.com and click on calendar of events to see the question. Before the second break and at the end of the show, I'll give you something else to do with the question. Those people who follow up by emailing me will have the opportunity to have their emails read live on the show. So right now, go to my calendar of events page on paulajoyce.com Answer the question of the day on your own paper. Then go to my spiritual services page to read about and register for 21 Steps for Healing Your Body. I'm already receiving registrations for this powerful process, so be sure to reserve your spot. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for what I know will be a fascinating conversation with Rabbi David Stern. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit paulajoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com today. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope that you thought about the things that fear is preventing you from doing, and we'll work on those. We're here with Rabbi David Stern to talk about when fear is appropriate, because there are times when we need fear. And also what to do when it's blocking our happiness and success. Welcome, David. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Um, I, I thought maybe a good place to start is the distinction between fear that helps us and fear that hurts us. Well, I think that we all know that we have, um, that we're wired neurologically through brain development as well as through instinct and experience that there are there are genuine dangers in the world right we don't want our kids crossing the street without looking both ways um, you know we want to be we want to be able to recognize real threats when they're present so I don't think that we want people blithely going through the world as if there are no obstacles or circumstances that could be dangerous to our physical or emotional well-being on the one hand. Um, on the other, we know, and as you described so eloquently in the first segment, there are fears that become um, impediments to our own growth and development. In that way, um, they become worse than any perceived threat, right? In that way, the fear, becomes, the fear becomes the object we should be wary of rather than anything else. And I think that, that um, that's, that's what calls for discernment. That's what calls for reflection. That's what calls for a sense of self um, and, a, and a real sober evaluation of, of um, what might be real out there, what might be imagined, and how to take our own healthy steps on, on a path of recognition. And and I think that's so powerful because most of what we think is a real threat is an imagined threat. And mm-hmm. we, we spend our energy worrying about what right. will never happen. Right, right. No, and I think that that, and, and this is where mindfulness is so important, that, that to be able to sort out um, the narratives or the tapes that we're playing in our own head from what is real. And the more that whatever, whatever the tools are that any individual uses for mindfulness recognition, whether that be meditation, whether that be silence, whether that be the kind of labyrinth experience that you were describing in the first segment, anything that gets us into tune with what is and helps us sift through um, the distorted narratives that we play over what is, anything that brings that kind of clarity is by definition going to help to reduce fear. And and I know that you've been on uh, doing your own spiritual learning and 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 on that spiritual path through the um, institute that you go to periodically. And so I wonder if you'd talk a little bit about that. Well, I think a lot of it is about what what we've already been discussing. I think, um, and the 
the Institute for Jewish Spirituality, the program in which I participate, is specifically for um, religious Jewish religious leaders. Who and we can be as guilty, if not more guilty, than anyone else of um, telling ourselves stories that separate us from reality. And so I think um, so much of the work is about the tools that help us um, unclutter perception unclutter soul and spirit so that we can be the best possible vessel so that we can be clear as listeners and to be able to listen in clarity so that we can be clear as vessels for divine flow that hopefully flows through us in our best moments um, without distortion uh, and it helps us to, to serve better in, in the various contexts in which we serve but um, a lot of it is about settling down Letting think, letting clutter get cleared, distinguishing ego from reality, and trying to be as present in the world as we possibly can. And I think that that, you know, again, ironically enough, that presence in the world becomes the best form. I mean, the kind of vigilance we should be talking about is spiritual vigilance, right? That that presence in the world becomes the best way of being aware. And the irony is that all the stuff that that we identify supposedly as security measures, literally or figuratively, that often get into matters of paranoia, suspicion, um, imagined threats, those distortions, in fact, end up making us less aware because we're caught up in the distortion instead of in reality. And I think that the more that we can make those distinctions, the more we can be truly present, um, then the fact is we'll be all the more aware of who we are and what is in the world. And I believe that that kind of spiritual vigilance leads us not to a sense of self-diminution or threat or insecurity, but spiritual vigilance is a form of awakening to what the wonders are in the world. And boy, if we could be vigilant about wonder, um, then I think we'd all live fuller and richer lives. I, I love what you're saying. And last week we talked about a lot about awe and, and the beauty mm-hmm. of nature and Beautiful. just, yeah, and just enjoying what is as right. opposed to staying in the worry and fear. But I think some people use, have found a um, dysfunctional way of keeping fear at bay by focusing on things that they really have no control over. So they go out into the future or the past, but neglect focusing on the moment and what they can really impact. Right. No, I think you're right. I think worry masquerades as control or agency, and it's just the opposite. But but you're but it is it's a very deceptive mask. So we we think that if I am worrying about something, then somehow I am engaged with it. I am controlling it. I am taking measures for or against it. And in truth, worry is a separator. Um, again, I, I wouldn't want to say that you know if God forbid somebody in my family is sick, of course I'm going to worry, right? I mean that's not. I, I don't want to deprive us of those reactions that come out of our genuine care and concern for others. I think those are legitimate. I think those are heartfelt. But I think then we need the second layer of reaction, which is, what is my actual agency here? What can I do? What can I affect? How can I make sure that my emotions are as whole as possible so that I can be present for that other person? So again, I'm not saying that the, it's not, it's not that the opposite of worry is callousness. It's that Worry is a is a totally understandable first reaction, and then the question is: Are we 
engaged enough with what's true to have the second wave of reaction that allows us to say, ah, what do I now do with that worry? What is my, what are my human possibilities here? What are my possibilities for service? What are my possibilities for wholeness? Um, and how can I be present to what is? I think that that, again, I don't want to judge first reactions, especially when those first reactions come out of compassion. Um, uh, we might want to judge first reactions that come out of hatred, but we can certainly not judge first reactions that come out of compassion, and and then and then see what um, see what I do with that. But I think you're exactly right. I think that worry masquerades as agency and control when it um, when it truly isn't. And so then, when our first reaction is a legitimate worry, like you say, for a loved one who's sick, to find a, a technique, and on this show, you've talked about some, and, and over the various episodes of the show, we've talked about numerous techniques to calm ourselves, to breathe in blue light, to say a prayer to do something to get into the present so that we can tend to our loved one in a, right. in a way that will be most effective. Right. No, there's no question. And I think that the, look, all of this, um, this is ultimately what faith is, this trust that, I can actually let go of my own agenda in this moment, and in so doing, I will actually end up being more present in this moment. As counterintuitive as it may feel in that moment of clutching and grasping, the the letting go actually makes us more present. So, right, if that if that loved one who is ill is in a hospital room and we walk into that hospital room only with all of our own projections about hospital rooms and what a person is who has tubes in them and all those things if that's if if those preconceptions preconceptions clog up our own ability to perceive what's before us even though we think all those preconceptions are manifestations of our love for that person because if i love them i must it must be right to worry about them and so i'm going to worry 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 when we get so clogged with those preconceptions, there's actually no room for that person. We've actually squeezed them out by worrying about them because we filled ourselves up with all the other stuff. There's nothing left to receive them. Um, and so I think as counterintuitive as it is to breathe our way into the room, to walk into that room, to like actually think about what position are my hands in when I walk into this room, to think about what position is my body in when I walk into this room. Am I protecting myself as I walk in or am I opening myself? Am I already filled up or am I the best kind of empty um, that makes room for another? Um, that, again, counterintuitive in the moment because we think the thing to do is to to, to grasp and to clutch, if in that moment of release we can recognize we're actually making room for the other, then we're in the best possible posture of compassion and service. Well, and, and I think the, the other thought that I had as you were talking is that we're also making room for the positive spiritual forces to Absolutely. help and to enter. Uh, you know, there's a there's a great um, Hasidic story about, uh, uh, you know, there's a, a teacher who says um, that, that God is not present 
in a given prayer space because the prayer space is too filled with prayer and there's no room for God, right? That we sometimes think that our, and what does that mean? Not because those prayers probably somehow had in them a sense of ego, a sense of need that overwhelmed the simple openness to the divine. I think you're absolutely right. And that's what I mean when I say vessel. I think the, the more we clear clutter, the more we ourselves can become vessels for um, the emanation of the spiritual and the holy in the world. And if we are a clogged vessel, then nothing's going to come through. And if we're an open vessel, as, as frightening as that can sometimes be, right, because we might be clearing ourselves of the preconceptions that we feel like are moorings, um, as frightening as that might be, it's only once we're clear in that way that the divine can flow into that space and through us into whatever space we occupy. How beautifully said, and and I think that that's part of the partnership, um, the co-creation that uh, between God and humans. Right, I agree one hundred percent, and I think that the. Um, and it's a wonderful tension. I mean, I don't want to imply that it's easy, right? Because uh, on the one hand, we need to be open and humble and curious and be in that posture that, that, that facilitates the kind of awe that you described. Um, and on the other hand, we are agents of divine possibility in the world. And so it doesn't mean passivity. I want to be clear about that. Um, clarity and uncloggedness does not mean passivity. It means the clarity through which we can discern what our purpose is in a given circumstance. So it may be that in that moment of walking in the labyrinth or in that moment of breathing, I understand that I need to be at a protest or I understand that I need to be at a soup kitchen or I understand that I need to be at an advocacy meeting for fair wages. It, it's, it's not that... Um, that that clarity means sitting back and watching the world happen. It may be that that clarity brings me to a point of discernment about what my purpose and what my agency is. So um, uncluttered,ness does not mean inaction. Wow, and and it's um, as I think part of the uh, uncluttering too is looking at the role that work has in our lives because in the same way that people use worry I think we often use work and our to-do list to keep at bay looking at ourselves and letting go of some of those things that are not working for us yeah I couldn't agree more I I think any of us who uh lead what might look like busy and productive lives. Um, I think we all understand, no, I don't, shouldn't say we all understand, we're all subject to that pitfall. You know, we say, the number of times I've heard myself say, um, oh, I haven't had a chance to think about that because I'm too busy. And then if I'm good, the secondary question that pops into my head is, hmm, I wonder if I'm allowing myself to remain so busy so I don't have to look at that. And I think that it's that, again, it's, I'm not always good enough to ask the second question, but one where it is the moments of pause that allow that second question to emerge and say, ah, maybe the thing that I'm calling an obstacle and bemoaning is actually an obstacle that I'm creating. And if I change behavior and exactly what you're saying, then I'll understand the false moorings and busyness and to-do lists and what I've got to do and my obligations, all of which, by the way, we get rewarded for, and it makes us look busy and responsible and productive. Um, we're sometimes setting our own trap uh, by creating obstacles to our own reflection, our own clarity, and our own discernment. 
Beautiful. And and I think we're at a point where this is a perfect opening for our break and we will come back. So um, thank you so much. And I look forward to our continuing in the next um, portion of the show. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life nourishment of the spirit before we go to break i promised i'd tell you what to do with our new feature while you're listening to the commercials go to the list that you created now on that same paper write down what you're going to do to get rid of the irrational fears that are blocking your happiness and success in life stay tuned we'll be right back with rabbi david stern Change the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a one of a kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope that you made a commitment to yourself to release the fears that are preventing you from taking the actions that would bring you happiness and success. Right now, I'm so pleased to be here talking with Rabbi David Stern, and I'd like to introduce a, a, a new aspect to this. When um, David and I were originally talking about this show, before I hit on um, the topic of fear, I was originally thinking about leadership, and what I said to him, I, I'd like to repeat to you that that I noticed in his congregation that when, although um, 
David is the head rabbi, when somebody else, when one of the other rabbis or the cantors is leading the congregation, Rabbi Stern literally pulls back his energy so that he becomes just like another congregant rather than the head rabbi and gives that space totally over to whoever is in that place at that moment. David, would you talk with us a little bit about that? Um, I think that the... Um, well, I mean, as, as I said, Paul, when you said it to me in our original conversation, I'm not even, it's not even something that's sort of conscious. Um, I think part of it is, for me, a, the joy that I take in being a congregant uh, to and with these other leaders. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a given, um, and it's a point of great joy and fulfillment when one feels like um, one can be present as part of a community, even in a place that one leads. That's a, that's a testimony as much to the community and to the um, to the fact that everyone is a leader in it um, as as much as it is to anything in me per se. I I I believe that uh, again, if we're stuck in single roles, um, if we're unable to be fluid in that way, then it's hard to be fully present. If, I, if I'm, any of us, not I, in any circumstance in which we find ourselves, um, whether it's, and this could go back to, you know, mid-20th century role theory, or we could speak about it in terms of spirituality and mindfulness, but we all play multiple roles in our lives. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing two-faced about that. I'm in a different role as a father than I am as a husband, than I am as a rabbi, than I am as a congregant, and and I think that um, integrity in the deepest sense, um, that is having the different parts of ourselves be integrated, um, is ultimately what wholeness is about. Um, none of us gets it right all the time. Probably none of us gets it right most of the time, but it's something that we're all striving to do. And, and when those parts flow together, those are moments of unique and powerful blessing. And I think that the, um, this idea that one can move then from the role of leader to the role of participant, to the role of one offering prayer, to the role of one facilitating prayer, whatever it is in any of our lives, that role fluidity, if we can do it in a way that prompts the sort of spiritual integration rather than a sense of bifurcation, um, then we're on a generative spiritual path. I, I do think that what that the very same thing can be a source of tremendous stress and anxiety, right? Oh, I have all these responsibilities, whatever my place in the world. Oh, I have all these different vectors of personality. I have all these different dimensions and roles that I play. And if we feel that they conflict, if we feel that they're in tension with each other, if we feel that it's a cumulative sort of piling up of pressure and responsibility, then again, that can be a source of diminution in our lives. If we can get to the place where we say, you know what? These are all parts of who I am. If we can get to the place of acceptance that says, you know what, um, I am sometimes this and I am sometimes that, either by dint of necessity or by dint of choice. Um, no one is only in one role all the time. If I can accept the multiplicity of roles I play in my life, then I can move towards the integration of them rather than seeing that multiplicity of roles as somehow by definition um, uh, fragmenting or schizophrenic. 
And I love what you were saying. Well, first of all, the authenticity of it is what makes it so beautiful. And I think a model of leadership. Mm. And, and, and you're just talking about it as, as being in the moment. So right. in that moment, you're not the, the leader. Somebody else is. And giving right. them their space then to shine and to be the best that they can be without feeling that energy of not maybe not being good enough or the, the fear of being judged or of, of um, not being as good a leader as they need to be. Well, no, I think, that, I think that's absolutely right in a leadership model. You know, in Judaism, Moses is our primary model of leadership. Moses is called by the tradition the most humble person in the world. So humility and leadership from the get-go in the Jewish tradition are linked, right? Moses, the primary leader, what is he before? He's a, a political leader of a people. He's a shepherd. And one of the legends told about Moses that sort of made Moses the guy that God decided to choose is that when there was a stray sheep, Moses picked up the the sheep himself and carried it back to the flock. So this idea that humility and leadership are intertwined, I think, is at the at the core of my spiritual tradition, and um, I think makes a lot of sense in the world. Again, it's about not getting one's own way. It's about not getting cluttered. More, if not more importantly, as important, um, I would say, Paul, it's not only about what happens when the other worship leader. Um, takes over that part of the service, it's just as true, and you can, and, and one can say, um, I'm in the moment, and I'm aware of what I am in this moment, and it's not being the leader, that awareness is just as important at the kitchen table as it is before a congregation, right? How many of us, in whatever our chosen professions, keep acting in that professional role when we're sitting down at the table with our families, keep acting in that professional role when we're just supposed to out, be out having a cup of tea with friends. And I think that that, um, that stuckness means that we've, um, you know, it's almost like having a stock portfolio. That stuckness means we've invested all of our um, identity resources in one stock, right? We're not diversified. And there's always risk in that. And now there's risk because we've put all, all our eggs in one basket of one dimension of who we are. There's also risk in the fact that we're not being true because there's no way that it's true to be in one role all the time. There's no way we can be true to our environment if we're always being one thing because our environment is always shifting. That's not to say we should be um, inconsistent or dishonest. I'm not arguing that. But I'm saying we have to accept the multiplicity of roles that we play with, as you're saying, all of them with authenticity in our lives. Um, because I get, I, trust me, I, get in, I may get in some trouble by acting like I'm leading when I'm not leading a service, but I get in a lot more trouble if I act like a rabbi at my kitchen table. So I think that the, um, that, that awareness, the humility, the sense of humor that it takes to say, you know what, I, I just have to be able to be present to these different realities, and that requires, I, I believe, the flexibility that, that requires is, goes hand-in-hand hand with humility. There's no way to have that flexibility without having humility. Well, and I think it, I'm thinking about fear, too, because it's also allowing oneself to release the fear of who I am, who am I if I am not the rabbi, you know, if I am not. Right. No, that's exactly it. If I that, and that's sort of what I'm, what I mean by all the eggs in one basket, right? If I if I have my identity so solely vested in any one facet of the prismatic self, um, 
then again, that leads to clutching, that leads to clenching, that leads to fear, and all of that obstructs openness and presence in the moment. And I want to add that when another example of this and the way you live this is when we were talking about uh, should we be Rabbi Stern or or David and Paula or Dr. Paula, you said when we're talking to each other, we're Paula and David. So let's continue that on the show. It's that sense of being vulnerable of being open and and of allowing and not wearing a title as a mask or a defense mm-hmm. no that's right and again, and I think that that um, that openness um, it, again it's it's not I think too often again, to go back to your first comments about fear and the things that obstruct our true connectedness, um, to, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole tradition of um, false humility, right, of, of ego disguising itself as humility. Um, and I think that the just sort of allowing ourselves to just be um, is not a heroic act. It is, in fact, a gift to self, because it then allows us to be present to the richness and wonder of the world. So we sometimes cast it as a heroic. Oh, isn't it wonderful that the famous X, fill in the blank, surgeon, religious leader, radio personality, that the famous X, you know, um, buys her own asparagus at the grocery store. Well, actually, that's not so heroic. That just means that that person is being present in the world, um, being present to the gifts of the world, recognizing that... um, the world is, and we are only part of it. Um, and I think that those, that is much more a gift to self than it is a gift to anyone else, and it should be celebrated as such. And, and that's beautifully said, and, and we're coming to the end of this. We have about one more minute for this portion of the show. And I, I guess um, I just want to ask you if there's anything that you want to say in closing. I think the most important idea to me among all those that we've discussed today and, and that framed today even before we discussed it is this idea that um, spirituality and active agency in the world are not um, in antagonistic relationship, are not opposites. That the time of reflection, the labyrinth time, the breathing time, the prayer time, the chant time, all of those things give us the clarity that then, in effect, give us our marching orders. Through that clarity, I then understand where I can have impact, where I have responsibility and obligation, where my compassion can make a difference. And I think the sitting still without then standing up um, is only leading half a life, and I think the standing up without sitting still is only leading half a life. It's the integration of those two that is, to me, spiritual wholeness. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and your wisdom. I appreciate it so much. Have a beautiful Thank you, Paul. day. Thanks Thank so much. You. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, And I'd like to thank my listeners for joining us today for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please like us on Facebook by going to my website, paulajoyce.com. While you're there, sign up for my newsletter and get the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem-solving process from my best-selling book, Nothing But Net. 
browse my resources page to get more information on the books my guests have written and my services, including coaching, speaking, energy healing, past life regressions, or to sponsor one of my experiential workshops, such as overcoming abuse through self-empowerment, 21 Steps for Healing the Body, Energetic Healing, and the Ultimate Creative Problem-Solving Process. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching, which I do in person over Skype or on the phone. When you work with me, you get support, guidance, and healing from the spiritual realm. Literally thousands of angels of a high and positive spiritual nature work through me and directly with my clients. While you're on my website, go to my calendar of events and press click here to send me an email with your commitment to yourself. As you begin to experience success, please send me another email so I can read it on the air and we can celebrate together. Then go to my spiritual services page and register for my workshop, 21 Steps for Healing Your Body. Those of you who live in Dallas and want to experience my ultimate creative problem-solving process for a low fee of $20, join my meetup group. Next Thursday, please join us when Marilyn Lash and Dr. Kelly Orr will share with us how to recognize and successfully treat PTSD and TBI, traumatic brain injury. Remember to contact me if you have um, something that you want to share. This is Dr. Paula, your CM or chosen mom, as designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week. Thank you.